Hi, I'm Kim Chung, and you're listening to Thirst Mag Over a Drink podcast. In this episode, I talk to Diego Quintero Jaramillo, the sales director for Asia, Africa, and the Middle East for Colombian brand Dictador Rum and Gin. Diego has been working in the wine and spirits industry for over 12 years. He has represented brands from Chile, Argentina, Scotland, Mexico, India, and an extensive list of origins. Three years ago, he contacted Dictador and was offered the sales director role for Latin American markets. He moved to Australia at the beginning of 2020 and now lives in Sydney. In Colombia, state legislation has seriously restricted rum brands like Dictador from selling their products outside their state of production. However, with sales coming from exports, Dictador has the world as their playground and Diego will be sharing with us the brand strategies that let Dictador emerge from adversity. Thank you for coming on to the show, Diego. How are you today? Thanks a lot for inviting me to your podcast. It's amazing to have this opportunity to talk about our rums, our jeans as well, for, for Malaysia, but still it's going to be all over the world. So that's amazing. Thanks a lot. And thanks for everyone who is listening to us. I'm very excited about this interview because I'm going to get to meet you. I was told that you have represented so many brands. You're very knowledgeable about rum. And I've never come across Colombian rum. And this is the first time I've tried your gin and your rum. And they're both amazing. So I would really like you to share with us a little more about Colombian rum. To start with, can you tell us about your role in Dictador? Yeah, for sure. Well, I have been working for a while in the wine and spirits industry. I have represented different brands. I have worked on the distributor importer side as well with big names like Bernard Ricard, Moat Hennessy, to mention some, Conchay Toro. But then three years ago, I was working with an importer from Colombia and we wanted to take over the distribution for Dictador. Then I stopped working with that company. I was able to know about Dictador plants for Latin America. And then I said to them, well, actually I can help you to develop those plants. I have a network. So I actually suggested to hire me and they did. So I was in charge of Latin American markets for Dictador that for the first six months. And then they asked me to give them a hand to support some of the sales across U.S., but just focusing in West Coast. But one year after that, I said to them that I have the idea to move to Australia. And they say, well, actually, we need someone on that side of the world. There's so much potential in Asia, Australia, New Zealand. So it will be very helpful for us. So I moved here to, with my wife. And then I started this new chapter of Dictador in this side of the world. Welcome to this part of the world. It has been an amazing ride. Even though we have this COVID thing, still, I have enjoyed it a lot. And I have been able to start building a network of distributors across the region, Malaysia, for sure. We have been looking for that for a while. And then a single mouth, our local partners said, okay, let's do it. Even if we are having troubles with COVID, we do want to have Dictador as part of our portfolio. So Single Mall gives us a green light and they say, let's bring the toys into Malaysia. We started with our core portfolio and there's much more coming. Actually, when it is released by Single Mall Syndrome Verhat, it is not surprising and it is surprising because Single Mall is famed for their collection of Single Mall distributed in Malaysia. And I heard that Dictador is the kind of rum suitable for whiskey drinkers. We should come to that later on in the conversation. Sure. But first of all, Dictador and the history behind it, can you tell us about it? Yes, for sure. The, the origin of the Para family was in the 17th century. The great-great-grandfather of the Para family arrived to Colombia. The guy was working for the Spanish Empire. 
at that point, Colombia was one of the colonies of the Spanish Empire in South America. So Acevedo arrived to Colombia to be with a very difficult position, I'll say, as a tax collector. <laughs> I don't know how are taxes in Malaysia, but I haven't met anyone who likes the tax collector. <laughs> So for that reason, and he has a strong character, people started calling him the dictator. He was not a dictator at all. It was just a nickname that the people started using for him. Through the years, the grandfather of first generation published this theory in Cartagena de Indias in Colombia, which is located in the north coast of the country. He started in the heart of Cartagena, the distillery, and it has been three successive generations that have been working with dictator. Back in the days, they were producing alcohol for the government, but as a side business, they were producing alcohols for them as well. That was in 1913. Then in 1951, after a lot of hard work, they established one of the biggest private distilling and aging facilities in Colombia. A little history of Colombian alcohol. I will say like more than 95% of alcohol that is produced in Colombia is owned by the local government, by each state. So it's very, very rare to find a private distillery. The reason for the Parra family to have that opportunity in 1951 was that they have a partnership with one of the wealthiest families in Colombia. Money equals power. So gives you the opportunity to have something that no one else can have. The current master blender of our company is Hernan Parra. His father, who is retired, came back to business one year ago to help him to develop one of our rums. Has there always been regulations for rum in Colombia? Or is it a recent development? Or is there any new laws and regulations for Colombian rum now? Well, no, it has been always the same. It's actually not a very good history. Unfortunately, there are very few independent private distilleries in Colombia. One of those is Dictador. Most of these unicorns are, which are very few. One is ours, which is located in Cesar. There are others in Bogota, Valle del Cauca, and, and in Tolima. Imagine that in U.S., in Florida, they were producing some rum, some whiskey, but it can only be consumed in that state. And you cannot distribute your rum from Florida in California. So there is a monopoly in each state government. And they rule as they want, because all of the money that is coming from alcohol is used for taxes for the, each state. So very few independent distilleries are able to operate in Colombia. Of this hidden and protected by a strong contract with local governments is because each state needs to comply at least with this monopoly law that they are able to rule as they want so they can have some sort of this unique and very few private distilleries in each state. I can only think now about four distilleries that are private that are producing rum in Colombia. To be categorized as Colombian rum, it has to be distilled in Colombia. Is there any specification in terms of ingredients? It must be uh, molasses or the, well, the base should be sugarcane? The base should be sugarcane. For producing rum, you have three different options. Most of the producers are picking molasses. As you know, that will be a byproduct of the sugarcane process. That is not what we are using. The other option will be sugarcane juice, which is mostly used for agriculture rum. But there's a third thing. We do a start with sugarcane juice, but instead of fermenting the sugarcane juice, we prefer to use the sugarcane honey. What is that? We just have to heat a little bit the sugarcane juice, evaporate the water and other things that will be in that sugarcane juice, trying to reduce it as much as possible to have this honey. And the reason for that is that we want to concentrate, we only caring about the sugar that is inside of the sugarcane. So the yeast can have the best quality of sugar to produce the alcohol. How does that differentiate your rum quality from other brands of rum that 
that use molasses or sugarcane juice. The type of raw material that you're using is going to affect the note in your nose and in your palate as well. We decided to get sugarcane honey because that will give us more aftertaste similar to single malt and cognac. And as you mentioned before, that's our main market. For sure, a rum drinker will like to have dictator because the product is good. Actually, it's, it's really, really good. <laughs> I want to be humble and I don't want to be bragging, but that gives us the opportunity to have a wider target, which is the whiskey and the cognac drinkers who are looking to try new things. What you're saying is it's the element of the base from your sugarcane honey that creates a rum that has a similar taste profile to whiskey and cognac. You're right. Our master distiller takes good care of each step of our production process. The best possible sugarcane honey, and we use a unique family gist to achieve a particular profile. It's important to mention the gist also because the gist will give you the taste profile, and we don't use a gist that is normally used for the alcohol industry. We prefer to use a gist that is preferably used for the food industry, and that's one of the reasons a lot of people, when it's trying Dictorosel, oh, these flavors are not common in the rum or in any other spirit. They sound a lot of coffee notes, Christmas cake. You're not going to tell me what yeast it is. <laughs> ah, for sure, I for sure I cannot. <laughs> I can say to you that we don't use wild yeast. It's a liquid yeast that gives us this profile taste. After the, the fermentation, we have two separate types of distillation. We use both distillations, pot and continuous column distillation. Why? Because we wanted to have the strength of the column, the strength in ABV. We also want to have a lot of flavors, but not too many. It's like when you are cooking a burger. If you ask a good chef what type of meat you should use to do a nice burger, they will say you definitely need lean meat and fat meat, 80, 20%. That's what we are doing. We're using two different types of alcohol from pot, from column, and then mix those to be H. And then the H, in our case, is done in three different types of cast, ex-bourbon, ex-cherry, and export cast to do the aging of our product. Do we know which rum is aged in which cast? Or are they all aged in all these casts that you have told me and blended together? Can you explain the process, please? Yes, for sure. For example, the, the rums that are available in Malaysian market. So the Dictador 12 is aged in American oak. We changed that beautiful bottle from matte finish to shiny finish. And give the opportunity for people to take a look at the color of the rum. Well, the 12 is aged initially in ex-bourbon and then do a final aging in ex-cherry cast. For the 20, we'll do bourbon and then port cast. For the XO range, both XO Perpetual and XO Insolent are blends of very old rums from 25 to 35 years old and are aged in three types of cast. The Insolent and Perpetual are completely different. Also, there's something additional that we are doing for the XO Insolent. We also have other collections, and probably can talk about that later, are our single vintages that you will know that were aged in certain type of cast. Can you tell me how are the ages on the bottle interpreted? You have the 12-year-old, you have the 20-year-old. Is that the minimum amount of time the rum is aged or is that a combination or is that the maximum? How does it work? To be clear, Dictator 12 is an age statement. So 100% of that bottle is 12 years old. Same for the 20, 100% of the bottle is 20 years old. For the XOs, we have a blend from 25 to 35 years old rums. For the finer rare products, we have a statement for each of the. We don't blend normally uh, ages, just for the XOs. I want to come to XOs. Are they available in Malaysia? Yes, they are. Oh, so see. insulin and XO Perpetual. Perpetual is an interesting rum because Hernan wants to perpetuate the tradition of the Parra family. 
So this is like the icon of the Victador ROMs. This is like his masterpiece of the core portfolio. The insulin has the same types of barrel, but we are recharging this barrel while there is still wet with our rum. So that rum is still in the walls of the barrel is caramelized with fire. That we have to do it several times in order to achieve interesting flavor and sweetness. We don't add sugar, but instead of that, we caramelize the rum to add those flavors. How often do you recharge the barrels then? It's something that it has to be done at the end of the process. It's a very complicated process. So for the reason he wanted to keep it just for one of our rums, instead of doing it for the whole range, which will be a very complex process. You mentioned about sugar in rum. Obviously, Dictador doesn't add sugar, like you said, because you recharge your barrel in order to get the sweetness. Why is adding sugar to rum bad? Or is it a bad thing I don't at think all? that's bad. I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I think it depends on each person. Like very, very rum geeks sometimes think that adding rum is the best thing. I think that it's okay. Sometimes it is done just to adjust the taste profile to have like a consistency through the years. I don't disagree with that. We don't do it. The reason for us is because we want to respect the process that the barrel is giving to the rum. There are no laws against that. It's okay if you want to do it. It's just like some people are very strict with their whiskey, whether yeah. coloring has been added for consistency or not. I get that. Is Dictador rum categorized as Spanish-style rum? You know that rum classification is a big topic. It could be done by color, origin, type of raw material, aging process. There are so many variables, facts here. There's a, a classification done a few years ago that is called the Gargano classification. It uses a little bit of the Scotch whiskey category, sort of, trying to adjust that to the rum industry. Dictador is a Spanish style. We were part of the Spanish empire back in the days. So for sure, we have that heritage and that taste profile. If we are talking about the Gargano classification, I'll say that we are a single blended. We are a blend of traditional and pot still. I still think that that classification still have room to be improved. But I'm happy that this guy did this because we didn't have anything like that before. So it's at least giving us a new way of thinking about rum and how it could be perceived by the consumers. I, I want to come to the geographic indication. There are a lot of disputes in rum producing country and region that they do not yeah. have this geographical indication. You know, it can be uh, distilled and aged somewhere else and be called something else. It is so important for an identity to any rum made in any country. I want to say something about that, Kim. It's, yes. It's very interesting what you were mentioning about that GI for rum. There are few countries that have done that. Jamaica, probably Barbados are starting to do it. Rum agriculture is, well, it's not a geographical indication, but still they are saying that this is how it's got to be produced in order to be called rum agriculture. It's interesting that our neighbors from Venezuela, they do have some sort of that because they can label in their bottles Venezuelan rum, but most of the countries have not developed that. And you know, it's quite interesting. I was thinking this during this week and the past week about our products. I used to work with Brown Foreman and with Jack Daniels, and I love the way that they said, okay, we are not bourbon. And most of people think about Jack Daniels as a bourbon, but then they say, no, we don't want that. We are Tennessee whiskey. And I was thinking, wow, that's amazing. Probably we need to do something like that because our process, as I explained it, it's we take really care about that. I have this idea in my mind. I probably will share that with our master blender and say, why don't we try to do this for our products? Have different raw material, the type of juice that we are using, and probably can try to do something like that to establish a new category of rum. 
you have created a new recipe for your base. So I'll be very interested to see what's going to happen in the future if you get to create a new category for Dictadora. I understand that in 2018, Dictador released two masters aiming at the luxury market, collectors and investors. Can you tell me what is two masters and how did it come about? Why are you pushing them to collectors and not push to be drank? <laughs> Well, I think our idea will be for collectors to buy two bottles of this each so they can drink one and collect the other one. I think that the Two Masters collection, that one started in 2016, 2017. We started visiting uh, a lot of producers of wines and spirits across the world. Because of the Colombian laws and regulations, we were able to sell our rum for so long. So we have one of the oldest and biggest reserves of rum in the world. So we were thinking about how to release this. And the easiest way will be like, okay, start releasing uh, single vintages. We have done that. But then we say other producers are doing the same, like buying oak barrels from other producers and bringing them to Colombia. That would be okay. But then we say, oh, it will be more interesting if we invite other people. Hernan has done his part. He has 40-year-old rums ready to be bottled. But we want to do something different. Let's ship this to different parts of the world. Let's find those partners uh, who are eager to age our products in, an, in a different part of the world. So it's a new master who is involved in this process, who is going to do the final aging of our rum. That's why it's called two masters, master distiller Hernan Parra and another master. Could be a master seller because we are also working with winemakers and it could be a master distiller because we're working with the spirit still. We started with six partners. From those six initial partners, we have already released two editions of each of those. So those will be Hardy Cognac, Lecture Briand from Champagne, Glen Farkas from Single Mold, Chateau de Art from Saturn, Despain from Bordeaux Wine, and Laval from Armagnac. Then we added our friends from Sazerac. They are our distributors in US. So we partnered with Barton 1792. And then we add Royal Tokai from Hungary. Recently, we had Nippur, that was in May, and it's going to be really the first edition of Jimenez Espinola from Cherry. So now we have 10 partners, and each year we are releasing new editions of each of these guys. So it's a big collection now. We start with 15 different rums available. Most of those are already in the trade, and we are about to release the third edition at the end of this year in November. So the rum is still aged in Colombia or is it aged in where the other master is based? Yes, it's aged in a different part of the world. So for example, Caelan Fraser from Glen Farkas, he received different bulk rums. 40-year, first release from this guy was in 2018. He received a 45-year-old rum from 1972. And he selected one of these beautiful barrels in Scotland and said, I will use my barrel house. 200 liters of beautiful rum, I will do the final aging here. So that's quite interesting also because you know that the environment is also affecting the rum itself. So Scotland is affecting dictator rum. The master distiller has like carte blanche. They can do whatever they want. For example, the guy from Hardy, they decided to do a blend. Okay, I have this rum from the first edition, 1976, another rum from 1978, 38 and 41 year old rums. They say, I want to blend those before and I will do the aging. The guys from Barton said, I want to use the same rum and I want to age it in three different types of barrels. And then he did a blend of the three of those. And then those would be called Colombian rum? That would be called dictador rum. <laughs> Amazing. We, we, um, are, we are creating a new style. 
Yeah, you are. And I see on your website, you have so many different types of Dictador products as well. And one of them says best of 1981. That was the year I was born. <laughs> best of is an old collection that is not available anymore. Those are single vintage collections. We just released in September two new collections replacing best ofs. That is one is called Episodio, which are more affordable because we were also thinking about collectors. A two master bottle, let's say the one from Hardy, it's around $1,000. I cannot pay $1,000 for a bottle. I have to pay a mortgage. I have to pay a rent, but I want to have something unique for me. Probably I want to give a friend of mine a beautiful present, something unique, but I cannot pay a thousand. I probably have 150 or 200 to give them something that is a limited edition that they will appreciate. That's why we released Episodio and the other collection, which will be older rums around 500 to $700. The reason for that is that we are building a final rare portfolio that will give us also the opportunity to perceive as the leading rum in the investment category. Something that other producers have not done before. Like when people will think about, okay, I will buy something that I can collect and it will triple its price in a few years. They will think about it because our products are limited edition, unique, very old. If you think about a 40-year-old whiskey, well, that's a pricey thing. I do remember, for example, McAllen releases the 40-year-old whiskey from the Red Collection this year. And the bottle, I was just for, for fun checking the price, 25,000 euros. We have Herarquia 40-year-old rum for 700 euros. So the price difference is abysmal, but that will change in the future. Change the how? How it's going to change? Whiskey has been leading the alternative investment when you think about spirits, but there is no rum that has been done such a thing. And we have become the leaders investment grade rum through a platform of unparalleled innovation with our new product, collaborations as Two Masters and La Ligue and more coming, and also because we have a secondary market activity. So that gives us the possibility to, to change the investment scenery in the spirits. Of course, collectible products like that, just like whiskey, doesn't only focus on the liquid itself. It must come with the packaging. So you were mentioning about engaging Lalique to come up with your new bottle design. Can you tell me more about that? Sure. So the first collaboration that we did with Lalique was released this year in February. So you know for Lalique, there is only one brand per category who is working with them, who has this partnership. For single malls, is, is McAllen, from tequilas is Patron, Beluga for vodka. For one, they decided to work with us. Designer Marla Minot flew to Colombia, spent a lot of time with Erland, trying the rums, filling the vibe of Cartagena. So he created this beautiful crystal decanter. That product, Dictador Generations in La Ligue, the price will be around 15,000 euros in average. Depends on each market because of the taxes of each country. So 15,000 euros for that bottle. But we have the proof bottle or the bottle number zero. We only released 300 bottles of this. Bottle number zero, the proof bottle, the one that uses the mark to do the design, was auctioned in London in February for 30,000 pounds. I think that we set up a new record and I'm pretty sure that the guy who bought the bottle, we don't know who, who bought it because it's a private thing, but I'm pretty sure that the guy probably knows that that bottle will double, triple that price in a few years. As an example, 
tried to find how much was the price of the Macallan collection of Lalique when it was released, the Six Pillar collection. And what is the price right now? One bottle of Macallan Lique of the Six Pillar collection could be around a quarter million or more. Probably that wasn't the price when they released in 2005. So that's what we're doing. We're trying to compete, not with ROMs, with single malls. But at the same time, you may be changing the game for rum because rum has always been priced lower than whiskey, even though the work is probably quite similar and the taste profile are quite similar with many rums as well um, in comparison with whiskey. I really do not hope that rum one day become unaffordable because <laughs> I oh, really no, no, no. like rum. <laughs> well, but that gives you an opportunity. Go buy a few bottles of Dictador when it's still affordable and in 10 years you can buy a house with those rums. I won the best of 1981. <laughs> I've been drinking whiskey for many years and I could never find a bottle that says 1981. Apparently, that was a very bad year to bottle any whiskey. Oh, really? <laughs> Nobody does a 1981 whiskey. Yeah. You get 1979, 1980, 1982, just not 1981. Oh, no yeah. Way. Anyhow, we've spoken a lot about rum, but Dictator also make gin. Tell me about the gin. You have two types. You have the treasure gin and the orthodoxy gin that use the same base as the rum and based on the same 10 botanicals. What are they? How did it come about and how different is one from another? Sure. We started producing gins a long time ago. Like Ernan's father was producing jeans for a while. Ernan was actually who started bottling Colombian gin. He created two recipes from his father. Both of those are coming from sugarcane. It's five times distilled, but then the botanicals are distilled separately. We have 10 different types of botanicals. In these botanicals, we are not getting crazy, like we are not adding roses or cucumber. We're just using the typical ones, coriander, juniper, citrus fruits, angelica root, and the others. We use very typical and traditional fruit from Colombo is a mix of lemon and tangerine, which is called lemon tangerine. It has the sweetness and the bitterness of both. So we add that to give it a Colombian style. And then both of the genes are aged in ex Victor rum barrels. The Dictador gene orthodoxy, which is the white bottle, that's why it's called orthodoxy. It's a classic gene. It's then filtered so you don't find any color in it. It's crystal clear, filtered after the aging. And the black bottle is called treasure. We wanted to create a citrus profile, also aged. The percentage are the same botanicals, but the percentage of the blend is, is different. And this one is not filtered, so it has a slight amber color, very, very mild. And it's more a citrus profile compared to the orthodoxy, which is classic gene. We are bottling at 43 ABV. We are aging and doing two different types for many reasons. We wanted to create a gene that could be enjoyed, neat. That's the reason of the aging process. So it has more balance. It's smoother if you compare it to one other 47 ABV gene, which most of the genes are, are 47%. And the treasure one gives you the opportunity to enjoy it neat because it has so many flavors in it as well. That was the question I was going to ask. Were they created for consumers or meant to be for bartenders to make drinks? Because I have tried using orthodoxy to make martini. It was amazing. Actually, I prefer not to do uh, neat genes, even if it's ours. If I'm doing a tasting, 
that's fine. But I prefer to mix. I am a gin and tonic lover. So for orthodoxy, I will definitely use a Mediterranean Indian type of tonic, probably add orange peel to decorate it, just to have a, a little bit of the citrus flavors. But for the treasure, I will add a very neutral tonic. I will prefer to use is San Pellegrino. It's very neutral. And I will use some berries in, in this one. So that will give you a twist of the gin and tonic as well. That will be my recommendation. Everyone has their preference. A lot of gin companies have made tonic to go with the yep. gin. Is that the direction for dictator gin? No, we are not heading in that direction. Okay, uh, no plan. We don't have any expertise in producing tonic water, so we will leave that to the experts. Definitely. So is there anything new coming up? What any fans following you should look forward to in the coming year? Yes, for Malaysia, we have started with the core range, which is the 12, the 20, both XOs and the gin. We are already checking with our local partner with single malt, which expressions from our final rare portfolio will be launched next year. Pretty sure that some of the two masters edition will be available and also some of the single vintages. We are already planning to release new single vintages in 2022 that are going to be called uh, Parrafo and Rima. Not sure about if it's going to be available for Malaysia because there are some sort of restrictions in terms of the registration process, but you never know. We, we can try to do some sort of pre-order thing. There's a lot coming. And also on the rest of the portfolio, we are working with some artists that are designing bottles for our art collection. Also, we have ethnic art collection with the, the first series called Big Sarica, bottles decorated by the Ucholes community in Mexico. And the next Next one is already in process, which is called Mopa Mopa, and it's done by a community in the south part of Colombia. We are trying to keep releasing new things that no one has done, working with communities, renowned artists, releasing single vintages, adding new partners for the two masters series. So there's always new things for Dictador. We need to keep feeding the collectors, the investors, because they are always wanted to know oh, what's next. I want to buy the new Dictador model. So yeah, you can be sure that there's more coming. Thank you so much for sharing about Dictador. Diego, before I let you go, there's the last question I would like to ask you, just like any other guests who come on the podcast. I want to ask you if you get a chance to have a conversation over a drink with one person, who would that be and what would you be talking about? Well, that's a tough question. <laughs> very one. Very tough one. My first thought was my wife, for sure. But then I thought about Jesus. Mm -hmm. If it's Jesus, it will be a wine. I don't want to try uh, spirits with him, but it will be amazing to have a beautiful wine with him. But if something more realistic will be my wife. She's my partner. She worked with the spirits industry as well. And both of us love jeans. So I will definitely go with that gin and tonic with her. Or probably some bubbles. We love champagne as well. Let's be clear. My wife and champagne. That's it. Last word. What would you be talking about then? What were we talking? Hmm. We talk a lot about everything. Probably making plans for how to grow our family. Oh, that's a good one. Thank you so much for your time, Diego. It's such a pleasure to meet you. Hopefully one day we get to have a real drink with each other in person. That would Thank be you. amazing, Kim. I'm hoping that's going to happen soon. That was Diego Quintero Jaramillo, the sales director for Dictador, sharing with us about Dictador Rum and the first Colombian jeans. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Special thanks to Brian Larson for producing the music for this podcast. My name is Kim Chung, and this is Thirst Mag Over a Drink. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for our latest episodes. You can find all the links in the show notes. I'd really appreciate if you can leave us a five-star rating and a review wherever you get your podcast and recommend it to your friends. See you next time.